Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Okay, well, happy Thursday, September 1, 2022. It's September already. The fall is going to be a few weeks away, I think. And uh, God is good. God is on the throne. Things are moving very, very quickly. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Steve Schultz, along with my wife, Doreen. We founded the Elijah List. 25 years ago, and Elijah Streams came along a little bit later. And <clears throat> pardon my cough, I'm still working on that. Got my cough drops if I need to. Anyway, it's going to be a great show uh, with Patel Patriot. Um, and uh, we're going to bring him on in just a minute. A quick uh, announcement. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of those, those, all of you who are donating and sewing both into this ministry and into uh, the, the wells that we're digging. We're working on a project in um, Mississippi. Um, we're gonna bring uh, Mike and Lori Sally on next Wednesday. We're gonna talk to you, talk with you about a water project that is huge. The whole city uh, that they're working on has, has a huge water problem. And so we're working to sow into that big time uh, God loves it when we take care of people concerning water. Remember, I've said if you if you so if you give so much as a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you will not lose your reward. This morning, you know, I've been um, not bragging isn't the word, but I've been very very happy that to keep reporting to you that now 300 people have been saved because of the water wells in Uganda. Um, so I got an update. I thought, well, I wonder how much, how many more, or if there are any more that have been uh, saved as a result of these wells that you all are funding. So this morning, the new number is not 300 saved, eight, but 800 saved. Uh, so I, that has blown my mind. I didn't see it coming. I had no idea. I was only trying to, with your help, um, provide water because I knew it was pleasing to the Lord and it was it was great a great reward War, rewarding if I can put it that way is very re, very rewarding to help this many people have fresh water but I had no idea absolutely no idea that you know we're approaching a thousand people getting saved and that is amazing and we're only just getting started so thank you thank you thank you for all that you are sending in um, as anyone that's new if you haven't heard that, every five days we dig a fresh water well in Uganda, and we plan to continue to do that <coughs> indefinitely. And excuse me for the cough. So, all right, I think that's the only announcement. So, without further ado, whatever ado is, we're going to bring in Patel Patriot. So, here we go with Prophets and Patriots. Well, good morning. I don't know where it is. What time is it where you are, John? It's one o'clock here. Or one okay. ish. Awesome. So you're on the East Coast. I keep forgetting to ask you no, where you are. I'm cent central. I'm in North Dakota. Oh, oh you're two though. hours up there. Okay, North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, is your governor as good as the one in South Dakota over there? Up there? He, he he's not without his issues. Um I uh he has some interesting connections. He he's a pretty wealthy individual. He uh has some Bill Gates connections. He sold this company to Bill Gates's tech company, but he's He's been a pretty fiscally conservative governor, and and interesting, you know, he he navigated COVID pretty well. I was pretty okay with That's it. That's good. But, well, yeah. you know, I love the South Dakota. Uh, Christy Noam, I think is the is the way you say her name, and 
but conservative up there. And, you know, we're not that far away, but we're not conservative here in um, Oregon. Although I think it will be discovered one day that this is a conservative state, but those yeah. on the left seem to have control of the media. So we are considered a far left state here in Oregon. But anyway, welcome to the broadcast, John. It's good to see you. Uh, Patel Patriot is your handle. We, you know, I, I, I can call you Patel, but you know, you're used to <laughs> answering to that. But listen, you become very famous, if I can say that, for your understanding and your writing on, on, on devolution and what that means, especially concerning, um, specifically, specifically concerning President Trump. Uh, yeah. For those who are new, who haven't seen you on the program before, what, how would you define and describe what what is meant by devolution and and what Trump did concerning that? Well, to kind of give people a sort of a short summary of what that all means. Sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it all stems from continuity of government. It's something that our you know our government has available to them if there's some sort of emergency, right? Catastrophic emergency. So you think typically. Like if we're attacked by a, a nuclear missile or something, um, these plans are in place to keep our country running. And, you know, it's the leadership gets transferred to different individuals, different locations, and, and devolution is a form of continuity of government. Well, the whole devolution theory th that I've put together is, is essentially Trump told us that the election was going to be stolen. He saw it coming and, you know, he took steps to prepare to monitor and capture that. He found the foreign interference, which is an act of war in our elections. And then when you look at everything, I mean, the, the media, the, the establishment, big tech, uh, social media, everything was was kind of working against Trump as far as the narrative goes. Right. Mm -hmm. that, you know, the election wasn't stolen as most secure in history, even though none of that's true. So Trump looking at all this, having the evidence of a stolen election wasn't going to prevent Biden from taking office because doing so would have, you know, probably started some sort of small scale civil war. The tensions yeah. were so high in this country. So. What he did instead was he let Biden assume office, but he didn't fully let him assume office because doing so would have allowed uh, essentially the CCP, our, our enemy, our probably greatest enemy, to have control of, of the office. They have financial ties to the Biden administration, the Bidens, the, the family, through Hunter, everything. And there's proof of that out there. So I think he saw the totality of everything and he decided to put some sort of continuity of government plan in place, allowing him to walk away and kind of protect us in the background while all these mainstream media narratives and everything are kind of crumbling and falling, falling apart. And he, he's essentially been, you know, tearing away the, these people from the control of the mainstream media. I mean, the narratives that they had under the Trump administration and long before that, these people were brainwashed. And what we've seen under the Biden administration is so many people have kind of woken up to, you know, all the lies in the media and all, all the, I mean, this this Biden administration is a joke. It's it's, yeah. it's polling so low, and they, they fake those polls too. So this whole thing has been about waking people up and getting people ready. I think for some sort of uncomfortable situation we're nearing here, where the election fraud is is finally proven on a mass scale, undeniably, and and something happens to rectify what happened in 2020. And you have referred. We were talking offline. You had referred to something needs to happen. You know, when you when when I think of continuity continuity of government i think of the president going into cheyenne mountain i think there's two different locations that they can seal it up and and that is a form of continuity continuity of government is to be locked into uh, a mountain where you could survive for a long period of time but this has to do with a continuity of government where without those auspices or without that 
overt thing where I haven't asked you this, so this is a fresh question. Sure. Do you believe, because I haven't asked it in this way, do you believe then, because of all of the executive orders that were done before Trump left office, if I were to say to you, who's in charge of this nation? Who's really in charge? What would you say? What would, what would you answer that? Well, you know, a lot of people are out there saying that President Trump is still president, and I don't think that's an accurate description. Um, okay. You know, Biden was inaugurated, and he, and he took over some level of control. But what, what Trump did with cognitive government is he kind of, he handicapped him in a certain certain sense. So when you look at what cognitive government does, it, its primary goal is to maintain what, what are called the national essential functions. And, and there's um, th there's eight of them. And these are everything from, you know, defending our nation from attack to, you know, ensuring our constitutional form of government, um, providing leadership available to the world, um, you know, maintaining effective relationships. There's stuff to do with the economy. Um, there's all sorts of things. There's, there's eight of them, right? What, what Trump did with his executive order 13961 on December 7th was he he allowed our, you know, our continuity of government to be revamped and reorganized and reprioritized. So we don't know which of those they're maintaining. I mean, it, it literally could just be, don't let us be attacked from another country. But then along the way, they're they're kind of handicapping the Biden administration, maybe almost guiding them down a, a path of destruction is what it appears. Because every decision they make just seems to be taking us further and further, you know, down that road where everybody's waking up and hating the Biden administration. So we, we don't really know where the Biden administration control ends and the devolution you know, team control begins. That's it, it's muddied. You know, there, there's some things we still don't know. But um, but but yeah, I, I would I would look at Trump as more of an advisor. But based on what he did, he, if if my theory's right, and he did this, you know, legally constitutionally, um, you know, this ends with him coming back. That's that's the final phase of of continuity of government. It's called reconstitution. Does the Biden administration and those that follow him? I'm talking about right at the very, very top. Do they know or understand, maybe fear that this is in place? Do they know that devolution is in place? Are are they are they freaking out because devolution is in place? What what would you say on that? I would say definitely. I mean, you know, whether they know exactly what Trump did is is up for debate. I, I would say they probably don't. Um, just like we don't know exactly what Trump did and how he did it. You know, we can theorize based on what's out there but whatever this is it's like this black hole right we, we know it exists we know there's something there because of all the stuff around the black hole but we're still trying to specifically piece together what that is but, but think think of this so leading up to um january 6th right trump was everybody was pushing for trump to do something to prevent the electoral college vote then we had this massive false flag and and there's circumstantial evidence out there that says trump knew that was coming okay but immediately after that that uh january 6th they rushed to impeach him um, they had the uh, Nancy Pelosi was trying to get uh, Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. You had them trying to take his nuclear football away, all this stuff like they were they were scared. You could tell at that point that they thought Trump was going to do something to stay in office. And so I think they knew just like everybody else felt it. Trump had the evidence. Trump was going to do something to prevent Biden from taking office. And the fact that he walked away, I think, was just as much a surprise to them as it was to to the rest of us. So I I think they they were scared then and then you know maybe they breathed this uh, a sigh of relief once biden actually got inaugurated but then as things have been unfolding i mean th there's no way that biden has full control especially when it comes to stuff like like the military i mean 
you know, Biden's been trying to get us back into this Iran nuclear deal, which is interesting that the documents that came out in the Mar-a-Lago raid just we found out yesterday have to do with the Iran nuclear deal. So that's interesting. But while he's been negotiating, our military has been bombing Iranian backed, you know, facilities and then stuff like Ukraine. It, it, there's there's connections between the Biden administration and Ukraine and, you know, the deep state, if that's what you want to call them, they have it's like their honeypot over there. They're their center, their corruption hub. What I don't know how you word it, but the fact that Russia is in there doing all this damage and the Biden administration has not gone in there or not sent troops in there, even though they said they would. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So I, I don't think he has full control over um, how some things are playing out, especially when it comes to. Well, if, if since he since he doesn't have full control of the military and it's very clear that he doesn't. Um, who does he think is in control? If I if I can word it or ask it that way, he must think in some ways Trump is still in control. I know you're you're, not, you're saying he's not back right now. You're saying he's not president now. So who then then who does Biden think is in control if he isn't? Yeah, well, I don't know if Biden thinks much of anything these days. I don't know <laughs> if there's much going on up in that head of his. But yeah. as far as the the enemy and what they think, you, you got to look at it from their point of view. If if they were to come out and say anything like along the lines of, oh, you know, the military is, is not following orders. They're under their own control. You know, then it would have to come out why that is, which would be the fraudulent election. They're not going to do anything to admit that the 2020 election was anything but the most secure election in, in history. You know what I mean? So um, whether they know, and, and I'm assuming they know there's something off and, and you almost have to assume they do, but right. they're not going to come out and admit it. They'll, they'll never admit that. So, um, it's been, you know, they were saying it's been said whether Obama's in control or someone in the basement, someone who's talking in his ear, they were saying they feel like Gitmo, Guantanamo Bay, and uh, Gitmo short for that, Guantanamo Bay is supposed to be the one place where they were going to make sure that shut down. But if yeah. they wanted it shut down, and this is year what, this is the beginning of almost the beginning of year three. And if they were absolutely prophesying they were going to shut that baby down and it's not shut down, yeah. doesn't that indicate, doesn't that prove that they don't have the power to do what they think they have the power to do or they said they have the power to do? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things when it comes to Gitmo. You know, Obama and his administration, they wanted to shut it down for whatever reason. They, they weren't able to pull it off. And then Trump comes in and, and he escalates the construction there and they're building a whole new facility courtroom. And one one of the most interesting things is they're building a place for um, classified information, like a, a classified information storage facility, like an archive of classified. Um, it, it's it's a facility for classified documents during trials. So, uh, you know, only only the attorneys and special people will be able to get in there and see these documents. But then there's you know there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that that could potentially be related to what, what Durham's digging into and the do classified documents that Trump throughout his presidency declassified for, for his investigation. And then maybe that ties into some of the stuff with the Mar-a-Lago raid. But yeah, the fact that the, the way the contract was set up under the Trump administration is there was a, it was, a, I think it was a, a five-year contract where the contractor, the person doing the construction is the one that, you know, re-ups the contract every year. So uh, it's not up to our government to, to, they can't just shut it down if they wanted to because the, the contract's in place for the next, I think there's three or four years left on it still where the companies can keep adding on to it. So yeah, that's definitely one of those I mean, John, doesn't he, if he, if they have to re-up the contract every year, someone's got to approve that contract. Well, the contractor gets, the, the way it was set up initially is the contractor is the one that says, yep, we're going to re-up it another year. Okay, all right. So they can just keep building until it's done. 
it's not up to our government. The government signed over the five-year renewal to the to the company, the, okay. the company that's doing the construction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I've heard that there's um, hundreds, if not thousands, um, of what's the word? For lack of a better word, prison that 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 is being it's being grown rather than shrunk to house prisoners. Is that what you you understand yeah, for as sure. well? Yeah, okay. I mean, why the, the the prisoner uh population at Gitmo back in its heyday when it was at, at its peak, it was like 700 some. I mean, that was back in the early 2000s. Right now, it's down to like 40 or something. So they have a, a declining and aging prisoner population. Yet, why would they be adding on, right? If that's the case, it makes no sense unless they're expecting some sort of influx. So, so yeah, it's yeah, definitely one of those devolution proofs. Yeah, um, let's talk about the the whole Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, I I tend to now believe this is just me talking uh, that Trump knew it was coming, was prepared for it, for that raid to happen, and 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 intentionally wasn't there at the time. That's my that's my suspicion. What what are your thoughts sure. on that? Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And I and I agree with you. So. There was a Dan Scavino post on August 5th where he just showed a picture of a door with 45 on it, right? I remember that, seeing that. Yep, so that, that was his post. And then if you look at the, the documents, the actual warrant to go in there uh, into Mar-a-Lago, it was signed like six hours later on the 5th. So just interesting timing. And then <clears throat> fast forward. So do you remember, actually, we'll rewind a little bit. Do you remember the Roger Stone raid? Uh-huh. There was a... There's a surveillance video from one of the houses there. It might have even been Roger Stone's house himself, where the CNN van showed up, and then about 15 minutes later is when the FBI came in and raided. So the whole thing was this huge publicity thing for, you know, for CNN. The the walls are closing in on Trump and his associates. Well, if if this was a black hat thing, I mean, they've been trying to paint Trump as this monster and this, you know, threat to national security and the coup plot or everything for for years, right? If they had the opportunity to show live footage of the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago, you, you know they would have taken advantage of that. That's like they've been looking for that for, for for from day one. The fact that that didn't happen is is one thing. But then the person who actually broke the story of the raid was Donald Trump himself on Truth Social. Nobody else broke that story. It was it was, it was Trump. So th- that's another interesting part. And then when you dig deeper into the you know the specifics of 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 the raid and i'm not even the one probably the best person to discuss this that would be a guy named just human he does great breakdowns of this stuff and everything to do with durham and and the raid and and everything that's going on but especially the special master i can touch on that aspect of this too which is very interesting but uh it it does appear that they're not even like trump's not the target of this it's it's the documents there that that's the target of, of this raid yeah and so a lot of this again has been about the optics right that's this whole devolution thing, I believe, was based in irregular warfare, right? And and what when you look at what irregular warfare is, it's a battle for the narrative. It's it's almost like a psyop, okay? And so, uh, like like I said earlier, Trump and his team are trying to essentially pull away, uh, you know, half of America that's been brainwashed from the grips of the mainstream media. And so, look at something like this raid. I mean, both sides, even even CNN and and some of these you know pundits. They're saying like, oh my God, this is terrible. Look, this is this is terrible optics. Pe- people are upset. This kind of shocked a lot of people awake that they actually raided his Mar-a-Lago. It's been a net positive thing for Trump and his movement and his following. I, I mean, I think Truth Social had like a 500 percent increase in users. Really? Just after yeah, I saw some article, or maybe it was like 
500% increase for daily users. It what, was I, really, I don't know. It was really big. It was, it was a big something boost. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's been, it, this has been a net positive for Trump and, and all the little circumstantial pieces around it have just been, you know, it, it definitely lends to me to believe that this was a white hat type thing, or at least Trump was filled in on it. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button. Well, I was going to ask you about that because uh, a white hat operation or a white hat observation is um, to, to what degree, and this is maybe this is just your opinion I'm asking for, is are white hats, the good guys, in other words, planted within the the Biden administration to kind of help Trump along. What what are your thoughts? What do we have plans? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, d- I definitely think that's uh that, that's the case. They're they're called Judas goats, right? They're um that's kind of the term for them. And you know th- there was plenty of those within Trump's administration. People who you know were embedded within it within his you know executive office or you know the NSC or whatever that were holdovers from Obama that were kind of derailing some of what Trump was trying to accomplish. You can only I mean, you have to imagine that the same thing would be for Trump and embedded within the Biden administration. So, you know, who who knows how how deep that goes? But I would just have to guess that that's the case. Okay. So, to clarify, you're saying in the same way that when Trump was in office, they had Judas goats, which were holdovers for Biden. That the opposite is true. That that Trump has uh, people on his side planted. Are you, are we saying the same thing? For sure, like almost like double agents, right? Or, or yeah, 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 yeah. People that are, you know, the Biden administration think is working for them, but they're actually like feeding intel to Trump. <laughs> Again, I don't have any actual like sure evidence of that, but it's just an assumption. It's it's a logical assumption that you well, can you make know, even when he was in office, he kept saying, "We have it all. We've cut them all. We've cut them all." He'd say it over and over and over, which to me means that at least he and the military that are on his side. They've got every single recording, every single conversation that could be tapped. I believe, this is just me saying it now, that they've got, the reason they have it all is because they have it all. They literally yep. have been uh, surveilling the deep state. Let's use different words. The deep state, the black hats, the bad guys, the far left, Illuminati. There's all these different potential synonyms, elites, the globalists. All of these are different names for the, for, for those who are trying to hurt our country and depopulate the earth. And yeah. uh, when he says, we've got it all, we have it all, we've caught them all, um, I, I think it means what it says and says what it means, that that uh, that using artificial intel- intelligence or just intelligence, uh, they've got it all on tape and video and, and hard copies, emails, text, everything. They know who's done what. I think that has to be... Doesn't that have to be how come how he knew that the raid was about to happen in Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, yeah stuff like that. And, and I do think there's there's something bigger going on behind the scenes more than just the Durham investigation. And something I'm currently digging into now, so it's hard to elaborate too much on on it. But um, I, I do think there's there's more than meets the eye with a, a broader investigation because Durham's is, it's it's pretty focused on just the crossfire hurricane stuff. I think there has to be something. Um, bigger to all the other crimes that were going on that they were looking looking into kind of back in 2018 and so i think that's part of it too but but yeah i I do think they have you know everything he told us there's so many documents that were declassified but then the biggest rebuttal people say is oh you know why hasn't he released it yet you know 
why not yeah. just show it out there? Why didn't he show it out there a long time ago to prevent any of this stuff from happening? But then, then again, it always it, everything always comes back to the regular warfare and, and the narrative. And when when the mainstream media and and all these entities have such a control of the narrative, it, you know, you have to you can't just dump all these documents out there when that's the case because the, the cognitive dissonance and so many of these people would have just ignored it and wrote it off. Yeah, you know. But right now, I mean, so many people are upset. They're like wanting something to happen that will justify Trump coming back. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we're getting closer and closer to whatever that threshold is or, you know, whatever timeline it just, it feels like things are, are heating up. You yeah, know, we're coming into the midterms election. There's so much more stuff coming out. It's, it's just getting really, really interesting. And I feel like I keep saying that almost every month. But, no, no, but it, yeah, but it is, you know, and by the way, a couple of things you mentioned, you said it really fast, but I think you said uh, there's a telegram account called just human. That's yeah. who you're quoting, right? Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I'd recommend you interviewing him when it comes to this Mar-a-Lago raid stuff. He, he's he's a he's a brilliant guy when it comes to all this really? this Trump document stuff. Yeah, I've had him on my show a couple of times. He's he's really good. That's good. I I have him pinned to the top of my Telegram account. I don't know. I don't know if he's on other social media, but he's on True Telegram. Social, yep. uh, True, he's on Truth Social in the same name. Yep, and he does his own Rumble show multiple days a week as well. Okay, I need to look into that for sure. Now, you, um, there's so many questions I have. Um, we talked off air, and you're fully aware of Q. You've seen things with Q. Um, you have not necessarily represented yourself as a Q follower or a Q anon, but but you you spoke positively about Q. So, in your own words, how would, what would you describe Q and the place it holds, or he holds, or they hold? You yeah, what's going on? Yeah, so it's definitely interesting. You know, I'm I'm I haven't read through all the drops. I've seen drops. Yeah, you know, I have a lot yeah. of friends that are, are followers of Q. I mean, I, I've I've seen drops, but I haven't read through everything. Um, and, and I've almost kind of avoided it in a way because I don't want any confirmation bias because I think it's legitimate. And so again, this comes back to the narrative thing. And there's a whole I did a whole article on this, my part twenty three, back when when wow. when Trump was running for president, right? And he announces candidacy and. And then, you know, he's bringing on General Flynn and all of a sudden he sees they're putting up this hoax, the Russia collusion hoax. And the media is all in, like trying to paint Trump as this Russian asset. And, and clearly it was fake. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump didn't have any of those ties. And, and now we've seen the proof of it. But he could tell that they were trying to use the, the mainstream media and, and control the narrative. And so he gets into office. They take out Flynn. But before they did that, Flynn brought with him into the NSC a whole bunch of I guess not a whole bunch. There, there's a, a group of loyalists. Um, in the NSC, it was uh, a guy named Steve Bannon, a guy named Ezra Kolwatnik, a guy named Derek Harvey, and then another guy named Rich Higgins. Okay, and these guys were at the NSC, and there were articles that came out where these guys were uh, es- essentially putting together a, a hit list. They're, they're called the Hit List Squad, where they were taking out Obama holdovers, which they called the deep state, and, and they were doing this on Trump's behalf. Like Trump was working mm. with them and telling them, "Like, hey, I need you guys to, you know, help me weed out the deep state," and so. And that's what these guys were tasked with. With when Flynn, um, when Flynn got taken out, essentially it was fired. They brought on Mike Master, and Mike Master eventually got all these guys fired and removed from the NSC. Okay, so by August of 2017, all these guys were were out of the NSC. But then you look on what what happened to these people. Um, Ezra Kohnwanek he plays a huge role in Devolution. Right after he got fired, he went on to Oracle. Then he came on to be Jeff Sessions, National Security Advisor. Wow. And then he came over to the Department of Defense, all sorts of stuff. But the big one to me is Rich Higgins. He um, he has an irregular warfare background, which a big part of irregular warfare is PSYOPs and, and controlling the narrative. And 
well, he, he, he has a, a company. He has passed away as of now. He, um, he had complications oh. with COVID. He, pa- he passed oh, away. Wow. But okay. at the time, he was uh, in a business with a guy, um, Steve Coughlin. And that guy is a strategic communications mm. expert. And um, these two, like, or, okay, sorry, I got to back up a little bit. I'm jumping around. There's a lot going on in my head right now. Yeah, yeah. But Rich, Rich Higgins, the, the thing that got him fired was he wrote a, a memo. It's called the, the Higgins Memo. And in this memo, and you should look this up or go read my part 23. He details out almost perfectly what what we've seen unfold the entire Trump administration. I mean, everything from narrative warfare to, you know, how the mainstream media and big tech and social media and, and you know, universities and everything, how they control the narrative. And that's how they get across their, you know, political objectives. You know, just think gun control. They use a mass shooting and then they try to justify controlling and restricting guns. And everything in this memo was about information campaigns to delegitimize the president, and political warfare, manipulation of the news cycle. Uh, I mean, it's it just spelled it out perfectly. Okay, and so then you look at the timeline. He got fired by August of 2017. At that point, if you're Trump and Higgins and all these people, you're looking to take out the the deep state, but you see that this the entire establishment is against you with the narrative. You got to figure out a way to get control of the narrative back, mm. but you can't use the the establishment or the mainstream media or any of those avenues to do it. And so then two months later, after all these guys are fired, all of a sudden there's this thing that Q called Q that drops October of 2017. And Q objectively has played a massive, massive role in awakening people. Right. Yeah. I mean, so many people have woken up so many people I know so many people are just activated because of Q. And, and again, I'm not even a Q guy, but I can objectively see what it has done. Mm-hmm. And so just the timing of it and the fact that, you know, Rich Higgins, it, it, with you know the regular warfare background and his business partner Stephen Coughlin, the um, strategic communications, you know, I, I, I kind of implied that maybe these two are part of it. I don't know that for sure, but it, it's that's that's my guess. And then you know Ezra Cohen-Watnick, his role, Steve Bannon, his role, Derek Harvey went on to work with Devin Nunez, and mm. you know he was working with Cash Patel when they wrote the the whole Nunez memo about the the Russiagate stuff. I mean, all this stuff is connected, and all these guys end up coming back and playing some sort of role during the period of November 3rd, 2020 to January 20th, 2021, every single mm-hmm. one of these guys from the Hitler squad and, and their little circles end up coming into play during that period where I think devolution was being put in place. So it's just interesting connections, right? I mean, the, the facts are out there. I, I, I try to, you know, theorize what I think is happening based on that, but yeah, anybody can look at Q and just objectively see what it's done, the impact it's had, and you can't argue with it. it so I, I do think it's legitimate and, it appears it's been right on a lot of stuff, but just based on the little I've seen. So, when um, Trump and um, I've heard Trump say a couple times, uh, one time when it was about only a year in after the stolen stole, stole election, about a year in, he said, We can't wait three more years. We just can't. Another time, only two years ago, which is close to now, presently, mm-hmm. he said, We can't wait two more years. Yeah. Um, Okay, in your opinion, what does that mean? What do you see as the possibility of him coming back in some manner, in some way before, I'll say either before the midterms or before 2024, whatever you want to, however, however yeah. you want to address that, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if, if I'm right about continuity of government and devolution being in place, then it, it ends with the reconstitution phase, which is things returning back to as close to normal as they were prior. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
you know, I still think this is all about the optics. Trump wants it to be a little more organic and not necessarily have the military just step in and, and change things. I mean, not to say that they couldn't, I think they could, but I think it's going to be something more along the lines of, you know, decertification or Supreme court ruling or something. Again, I, I have no idea how this unfolds. I'm not yeah. going to try to, yeah. I'm going to try to say that I do, but um, I do feel like something needs to happen before the midterms because I mean, th think about 2020, right? Everybody saw that it was going to be this massive red wave, but they stole it anyway. And they got away with it because they had a, a major control of the narrative leading up to now. <clears throat> there, a, a lot of those same mechanisms are still in place. I mean, the one thing that's changed the most is their control of the narrative, but they're going to try to steal it. We, we saw it in the primaries. They were trying to steal it from Kerry Lake. They, uh, you know, they, they've been, they're still going to steal it if they can. And so I think it doesn't make sense to me just just logically and, and not saying th this is going to happen i don't know this technically this could go on to 2024 but logically it doesn't make sense to me if you're trump and you have all this stuff to allow the midterms to take place as is if you can prevent it and somehow initiate some sort of you know one day voting election where there's true voter id paper ballots only no machines and that's that's true election integrity right and i don't think we get that unless something major happens between now and then and whether that you know gets us a new congress that gets trump back i don't necessarily think that's the case yeah. he doesn't want to do the speaker but i think something's going to happen whether it's a, a new vote which trump has just recently talked about on truth social calling for a new vote whether yeah. that's nationwide or maybe it's just a single delegate from each state through a congressional vote who, who knows but, wow. but i do think something's going to happen well that's only eight that's only about eight weeks away the midterms and you're not the first nor the last person that's talked about this, that it seems like we can't predict it. You know, there's no way to, to know, but it seems like within an eight week period, such big things have to happen in order to prevent another steal. Um, yep. Yes, we're going to overwhelm the system and vote if that's what it comes to. But, uh, you, you know, there are, there are a number of people who are saying, you know, I'm not seeing the midterms actually happen. I mean, I didn't have the show so that we could predict the midterms don't happen, but I'm beginning to wonder if the midterms don't happen because some, the deep state's not going to allow us to win for sure. if they can help it. And neither are we going to allow a steal, another steal. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating yeah. time period. So I've heard rumors, too, you know, from a couple different places that, you know, the midterms are going to be delayed. You know, I, I don't know how much put uh, stock I put into it just because, you can't verify that. You know, I haven't yeah. seen anything. It's it's just a rumor. That's all it is. But um, I, I see the merit behind it or why, you know, I could I could justify that happening. Because like you said, we're, we're kind of uh, at a crossroads there here. They're, they're not going to let us gain any form of control. And we're going to do our best not to let them steal it, even though they, they'll yeah. probably get away with it if it happens. But yeah, so we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, no matter what, we have to vote, but we'll see. Yeah. Does it seem to you that, as far as I know, no state has decertified the election? Maybe I think Arizona's gotten closer. Some of them have gotten close. Does it seem to you that some states are about to do that? Because if one does it and then a second one does it, that opens the floodgates, right? Um, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, yeah. There's been there's been counties across the the United States that have been calling for it, and I think a couple, you know, local government bodies have you know demanded it or you know submitted that they they want decertification from their state because they don't believe biden was the legitimate winner of the election um but we haven't seen a full state do it you know wisconsin yeah. was close but there's you know the, one of the brilliant things honestly that the 
the left has done, the Democrats have done, mm. is they've stolen primary elections too. That, that's what I think most people don't yeah. realize. And, and we saw a big glimpse of that with, with what happened Carrie in Arizona. Lake. They they, yeah. they tried to steal that. But if you, if, if you can put in a rhino candidate that is under your thumb, that's just as good as having a Democrat can, yeah. you know, candidate, right? So if you can steal the primary, then it doesn't matter who wins, whether it's Democrat or rhino. And so there's a lot of these holdovers and rhinos in these key spots in all these states that are preventing these decertifications from happening. And so that's why something big has to happen to expose the fraud in 2020 to make the public demand for something like decertification. I mean, that they can't put it off any longer or, or something, because otherwise that might not be the route. Maybe this does go through to the Supreme Court somehow. I, I really don't know. There, there's really no way of knowing. It, it could be something none of us are even thinking. And, and it right. literally could just be them, the military coming out with and presenting the foreign interference and, and whatnot. We, we don't know. And when you say, because uh, you said earlier that Trump would rather it be, and you expect it to be more organic, by organic you mean according to the law, either the Supreme Court will overturn something or states will decertify or something will happen legally according to the Constitution. And that's what you mean by or organic, right? Yeah, organic and, and about the optics, because Trump doesn't want the optics of a coup. Right. That's yeah. if you're in a narrative battle or, or battle from the narrative, um, a regular warfare, it, optics are everything. And so yeah. you want to do your best to have the best optics possible. And when I say organic, I think something coming from we the people. And, and this is something I've termed uh, the devolution sandwich. Right. Tr Trump is taking care of what he needs to from the top down. And we have to do our part locally from the bottom up. And that's the whole, you know, Flynn talking point, local action and national impact. But. Um, I think the campaign he ran on in 2016, right? It was, there's that campaign speech from, I think it was in Georgia. It was October, maybe 17th, 19th, somewhere in there mm. where it was one of his last campaign speeches. He was talking about giving the government back to we, the people, the, the only wow. people that can save us are us. And I, I think that was like being very literal, you know, that we have to not only wake each other up and vote and get involved and, and basically stop these people from, stealing these elections, but we have to find a way to do it. And so that's why I think step one is exposing the election fraud on a mass scale. And that kind of sparks everybody awake, similar to the Mar-a-Lago raid, uh -huh. waking people up some, something like mass proof, uh, undeniable proof that the election was stolen and there was foreign yeah. interference so, would wake people up. And then something kicks off from there. You had mentioned uh, Trump didn't want civil war. And it's very clear to me that um, Trump could have made such even legal moves based on yep. uh, foreign interference um, that he could still be sitting at the helm. But it's kind of a big deal to him not to have a civil war. Of course, it's to all of us as well. But I mean, yep. I know people personally that just can't wait to take, take the rifle that they already own and the bullets they already own and let's get this on. But um, Trump does not want a civil war. and We don't want a civil war. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So, so again, um, well, well the big, the biggest concern that I would have with the civil war is, is what that does for, for other countries. I mean, if, if China sees us in a civil war, you think they're going to wait for us to, you know, okay, you guys settle your disputes internally and then we'll go back to being enemies. No, they're going to, they're going to take advantage of that and right. exploit it the best they can. And so that's, uh, he, he had to avoid a civil war at all costs. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com and click the Donate Today button to become a partner today. And so, again, the only way to avoid that is to get the optics to a point where 
I mean, what what Trump has done, and this is something Cliff High has talked about that's really brilliant, is is he's unifying two factions that have been against each other. And and the reason we've been against each other is because the mainstream media has created that division. And, and they've done it in every areas of our life, from, from religion to the home life to everything. They've created this division between us. But what Trump is trying to do is unite us against or unite us against a common enemy, which is essentially our government and the people who stole it, like the current Biden administration. And that's what we've seen happen so far since Biden has been inaugurated. Everything is kind of coming together. We're, we're converging. Yeah, converging, you know, together, and we're not as much hating each other as we are turning against the Biden administration, which is the polling numbers. It's reflected there. Are you saying? Because I'm not quite clear that I'm hearing you. Are you saying that we are that unity is coming back between us? Let's say you and I and the patriots that we call the patriots or the conservatives, and those that were on the left. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be a certain faction on each side. Right. right. You know that no matter what happens, we're always going to hate each other. But right. I think there's a, a huge chunk of people in the middle that, you know, maybe, OK, let's let's say 10 percent on each side, the irreconcilable difference. Like they're, they're going to hate each other right. always. Right. But then there's 40 percent on each side that, you know, we need those 40 percent to kind of come over to our side or at least meet in the middle and be like, OK, you know, whatever differences we have. They're really not as big of a difference as we we think. You know, a lot of people probably voted for Biden because they carry the label of a Democrat, but they're not actually a, a, a Democrat. They were a Democrat 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, they're not a Democrat anymore. They're if you look at the actual policies, they're they're conservatives, you know, or Republicans. People need to realize that and and unite against the common enemy, which is the government that's been trying to control us and 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 stealing these elections, right? And that's, again, what what has happened since Biden took office. So many people have waken up and it's reflected in the polling. I think when when he first took office, his poll numbers were like in the 60s or something, just ridiculous. And right now they're, what, 20%? And those are inflated. So you know he's pulling next to nothing. And so, yeah, I mean, people are at the point, I think, where we're pretty close to the point where if you're going to wake up, you probably have by now. There's yeah. not much else that's going to really to me, spark you away. It seems to me that it's that way. Now, Trump took office to see the election was 16, and he took office January 20, 2017. You said there's something like 200 executive orders. Um, I think you said that uh, out of 1,131. I tried to scribble that down off the show, but at least 200 that um, – I correct me if I'm saying this wrong – where Trump was seeding, S-E-E-D, seeding the, the situation uh, for devolution. Um, how would you word that? Because has he been uh, preparing for devolution since the day he took office in 2017? What would you say? Okay, okay. so a couple of things there. Um, in the, fe- the Federal Register is where all of our government documents and policies and laws and everything, executive orders, get published. And so okay. during Trump's presidency, he, he published a total of 1,131 presidential documents. Those can be executive orders. Um, you, you know, there's, I think there, there's six categories. There's a, a presidential determination, an executive order, um, a memorandum, a notice, a proclamation, wow. And, wow. and I think just a presidential order. But yeah, there's a, in total 1,131 of them. Out of those, there are 221 executive orders. Okay, so throughout his presidency, that's that's what he laid forth as executive orders. Now, um, a lot of the stuff that he put in put in place, the the key ones, that, you know, there, there's executive order thirteen um, eight four eight, which is about the foreign interference in election. That was from September of of twenty eighteen. 
That's still in place and been continued by Biden. Um, there's one on transnational criminal organizations. There's one on uh, corruption in general. I think that's 13818. Um, and then there's 13961, which is, is to me is the biggest one for devolution because that's the one where he implemented and executed a continuity of government plan. And he did so in his authority as a wartime president, essentially. It's based on the authority of uh, Title 47 of our United States Code which is chapter 50, War and National Defense. And so this entire continuity of government thing is based on War and National Defense. Just, it's nuts. Um, but yeah, as far as how long he's been planning this, that's, I mean, that that's a great question. It, it's tough to it's tough to know. We, we know as as early as uh, March of, of 2020, there was an article out of Newsweek where they were saying, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Trump issued orders to ready plans of devolution. You know, they, they said it was having to do with COVID. But, you know, was it really was it, or was it the stone election? Because Trump also said they're using COVID to steal the election. So, Ooh. you know, at least of February of 2020, standby orders were issued for devolution. Um, and then, you know, it could go back. You could go back even further. I mean, how long ago did did he know that he was going to have to literally walk away from a stolen election? Probably from yeah. day one, probably from day one, because one of the first things he did when he took office in 2017 was he established that presidential advisory commission on election integrity, where he basically called out and spelled out everything that they've done to steal elections. I mean, he, wow. he spelled out the 2000 mules operation almost in perfect detail in that executive really? order. Really? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he's known how they've stolen elections forever. Even back in 2012, there's a Mitt Romney or there's a tweet during the Mitt Romney and Obama election where he was calling out, you know, watch the machines There's some weird vote switching going on. So he, he's known. And so it's, it's just laughable to me to think that him knowing all this stuff so far ahead of time, and plus all the moves he made, especially with, you know, Cybercom, the NSA, and how they were pre preparing for election theft and, and all the different um, authorities Trump granted the Cybercom to do operations in cyberspace, you know, without having to go to the president directly for for authority each time. I mean, he cut so much bureaucratic red wow. tape with all these agencies. It's just laughable to me to think that he just let it happen and let them get away with right. it. So I don't know when exactly he started planning devolution, but... I mean, I, I would say he, he kind of knew it at least of February 2020. I remember watching an old, old clip from he was on the Oprah show, Oprah uh, Winfrey show. And uh, I'm sure he'd been on that many times. But on this particular one, uh, he was on it and they were saying to him, they asked him or she asked him, when would you like to be president? Would you plan to be president? And his answer was something like this. Only if I have to. And, and he said it with such authority, and he was a much, much younger man. You know, he had a different kind of a look. It was still him, but, I mean, he was a young man. And he said, only if I have to. And I thought, I, I didn't see it back then, but I saw it recently, and I thought, wow, even back then he knew that one day he may have to. And as he saw it, and he had that meant to me he had an internal compass that knew that one day if he needed to, if he had to, he would need to be president to save the nation. And that's the way I see it. I kind of see it as, as a person that saved the nation and yep. he, because he had to. So fascinating. Let me ask this. Um, there's been foreign intervention. You mentioned CCP, Chinese Communist Party, yep. is our major enemy. Um, I can't even imagine the multiple billions of dollars of things that they own, land they own, uh, even things that they own in, in Hollywood and all of that. Um, as you understand, and this is just a question, do you understand it the way I think I understand it is that 
when it's brought to light and proven that they, for, they, they were involved in the foreign invasion of this country, they get to lose all of those assets. They lose it all, don't they? Is that the way you understand it? Yeah. So, so first, I want to make one point about what you said a, a second ago about the old Trump interviews. Yeah. Because this is very interesting. If you watch Trump like 20, 30, 40 years ago, whenever he's doing those little interviews, notice how calculated and calm and how different his speaking style and his demeanor is to what it is now. I mean, what, what he is now, it's almost like a, it's, he's, he's putting on a show. It's about the optics. He, he almost wants the mainstream media to depict him as this buffoon, right? But it, it's just a show. The, the guy's brilliant. He speaks multiple languages. Um, he, you know, yeah. Any, anyway, that's just something I, I got to pay attention to. It's, it's very interesting. But um, as, as far as, yeah, so th these executive orders, and there's multiple out there with a lot of the similar language. There's that corruption executive order I was talking about. I think it's 13818. There's the one on transnational criminal organizations. I can't remember the exact, I think it's like 1397 or no, it'd be, it's, it's something with a seven in there. But, and then um, the foreign interference one, 13848, all of those have similar language with how they handle the people that are perpetrating these crimes. So if you're perpetrating corruption or human trafficking or perpetrating, uh, you know, foreign interference, yeah, your assets will, will, will be seized. And it's, it, it gets into much more detail than that though, too, because it's not just, um, the person who's committing the crime, but it's also anybody who's, you know, assisted in that. So if, yeah. if you materially assisted or sponsored or, you know, provided financial material or, you know, tech support or goods and services or anything, then your stuff gets in trouble too. So wow. think of like a, think of like a George Soros who funded all these agencies, potentially with the 2000 mules operation, all these NGOs. I mean, not, not only are the NGOs going to be in trouble for the crime, but the people who gave them the money and then, you know, whoever whoever knew about it and didn't do anything all those people can be in trouble so when you think of a, a country like china and all their assets here and you know is is black i can't remember is blackrock headquartered yeah. in in china uh i i don't know if they're in china but they're they're certainly control virtually all of the uh 401k you know funds all of the stuff in uh, vanguard i understand vanguard is a blackrock um, yeah, no, fine. they're not. I'm, they're in New York. That was a that was stupid. Yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, any of these companies that are, you know, with Chinese ties or Chinese companies, like, because we're we're not going to be able to just send China an invoice, be like, hey, you owe us this much money for what you did. And even Trump himself has called for sixty trillion in reparations, right? Over just over COVID. Wow. Has he like, really? Has yeah, he really? He, he said that in one of his campaign speeches. Oh, and, you know, started at like ten trillion, and it's gone up, but. Um, but, but yeah, we're not just being able to send them an invoice and be like, Hey, give us this money. They're, they're not going to do it. And so, and this, this is where it's going to be really interesting is so whatever assets they have here, we're going to be able to just confiscate essentially. And then what they're going to end up doing is kind of doing the same thing with all of our companies over there. So think of all the, the big corporations that have been meddling in our elections as well. And, you know, they're totally woke and, you know, making all these decisions. And I mean, all those companies are just going to end up being kind of absorbed by china i'm assuming that's what's going to happen you know kind of a tit for tat type of thing and then we won't have to necessarily deal with them as much as we have been yeah. recently. again that's that's total speculation but well and you have the you have the i mean without to me knowing that concept i can't wait for uh bill gates's entire fortune to be uh assets seized and all of the land uh you think of the whole um, you know, I'm not sure where Warren Buffett is and all of these things, but he's probably not Lily White. You know, you have the Ted Turner who owns some of these people own millions and millions of acres of farmland yep. that they're trying to keep from uh, farmers from growing on. 
Those things are gone. Yeah. The, the U.S. absorbs itself. It's like, sorry, uh, see, it wouldn't want to be you. you know, that, it's kind of yeah. like we get that, and then that those things will be redistributed through, you know, the, uh, I'm sure the government will will sell them at a reasonable price to people who will then use them correctly, but they will belong first and foremost to the U.S. government. And then, yeah, I, I think, yeah. So, I mean, it's not just the companies, but it's the people involved, like the heads of these companies that are yeah. guilty. And, you know, how much of these university endowments are, yeah. you know, CCP funded or whatever. But um, as far as, you know, what happens with that then is that's how I think, it, you know, potentially our, our debt gets. I do gets too. Away because- I remember Trump saying he was running for office and I'll, I'll never forget the quote, but he they were talking about this and that and, and finances. And he said, he said, and by the way, I'm very good with debt. And I thought, what is, why does anyone ever pat themselves on the back that they're good with debt? And he was really telegraphing what he was going to do concerning debt, you know, both. Yeah, th- go ahead. Think of his, his, his role here to what we've seen unfold today with inflation and everything. I mean, 2020, as soon as COVID hit, I mean, he turned on those printers for the money and it, I mean, he didn't really get in the way. He, he, he unleashed that stuff and we print, I mean, inflation was through the roof. And then he told us like, we're going to see the stock market crash. If, if, if Biden takes office, we're going to see the stock market crash. Like we've never seen before. And this is when he knew they were going to steal the election and he knew he was going to have to walk away. I'm assuming. And so he, he was calling a shot and that's what we've seen. And so this, I say this quite a bit, both sides here want to reset, you know, the, yeah. the, the left, the, the new world order, the globalists, they want their, their great reset where it's, you know, this carbon based system, it's probably some sort of digital central bank currency where they can turn it off and on based on what you believe in. And some of the groundwork was just recently laid for that with Biden's executive order. I think it was 14067 or whatever. Um, But then Trump and, you know, the good guys, they want their great reset too. And you know, the, the petrodollar hasn't been working Trump has kind of hinted, you know, Trump's a gold guy. I mean, he, he has an apartment made of gold and all of his buildings are <laughs> gold. Does, that's why I think I, I personally think we're going to get to some sort of gold back system. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's who's going to be there to press that reset button is kind of the, the yeah. big question. Yeah. They both want the, <clears throat> the reset. You don't you want the good guys to do the reset, not the bad guys. Cause it's a whole different picture, but well, um, that's our time. Tell us anything else, uh, John, that you would uh, want to say that's on your heart as far as this whole devolution. Anything? No, I mean, um, no, it's staying busy. Things are good. Ask for your prayers. I'm, I got my final divorce uh, date on, on oh, wow. Wednesday here and, you know, dealing with the custody of the kids and everything. So pray for my kids. And yes. Everything works out. And then, um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, my website, devolution.link, you can find me there and all my work. Um, yeah, currently researching stuff. I do my shows, you know, every That's week. Good. So. How do they find your shows? Um, it's on Rumble. You can search for Patel Patriot. Or if you follow me on like True Social, you know, at Patel Patriot or uh, Telegram at Patel Patriot or on my website, like there, there are links to my Rumble on there. And so I usually do a show. Um, it's been a little inconsistent lately just because I've been prepping for this divorce stuff. But yeah. um, typically I do Wednesday and Saturday nights at 930 Central. And then um, usually at least every other week I'll do a show on um, on Friday nights with, with the Kate awakening. We call it the Liberty den um, and we'll have rotating guests on there too. And then I'm, I'm also kicking around starting a, a morning show. One of the, you know, maybe like a, every Tuesday or something. So, but yeah, just uh, on my rumble channel, you'll see all yeah. make sure you subscribe there. <laughs> and we I, yeah, I invite our viewers to a lot of praying people on this channel. So p- please keep uh, 
uh, Patel Patriot, John in prayer, you know, divorces are, are messy at best. And, you know, especially the kids, they kind of get caught in the middle. But we want them to have a good dad and, and all things to good work good for that. So that's that'd be great. So, John, thank you so much. I appreciate it, uh, what you've done for this nation. So many people understand now more. And even before you came on the show, I mean, about what what Trump is up to with the whole devolution. That would not be the case had you not brought it to the light. So I appreciate that on you for that. And and uh, I hope you come back more times, many more times. And so yeah. a quick reminder, tomorrow's Mel Kay uh, on the same channel. Uh, she's also a truth teller. So uh, do, do not miss tomorrow. It'll be great. Tomorrow's Friday. So that'll be our last day for this week. And so uh, John, appreciate it so much. Thanks again. And uh, Thanks, have a great day. And we will see you all. 11 o'clock Pacific time tomorrow. God bless everyone. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description to become a partner today.